Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. I'm your host, Rula Amiri, Content Director at Great Place to Work. On this episode, I speak with Tim Richmond, EVP, Chief Human Resources Officer at AbbVie, and Michael C. Bush, CEO of Great Place to Work. Today, we're talking about leadership and why some companies make culture a business imperative while others struggle to do the same. You'll hear leadership blind spots, why listening is the most important leadership behavior, and a new way of leading where leaders are accountable for what's happening seven levels down the line with that frontline supervisor. Welcome, Tim and Michael. This is uh, this is our first episode with two guests, one of whom is my CEO. So, you know, there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever uh, for this to be the best 30 minutes of his day. Tim, you're my neighbor up in North Chicago. I'm in the city. Ah, very nice to have that connection. And uh, like like uh, most people this time of year, we're ready for spring. We are. We are, yes. for sure. Uh, we do have something else in common, you and I. Um, we're both journalism majors. See, I knew I knew you and I were going to get along great. And uh, yeah. I know you've got your, your, your CEO on, on this podcast with us. But the fact that you and I have that connection, I'm sure we're going to have a great podcast. <laughs> do, you, do you think your journalism background, has that helped you in, as an HR pro, like in your, in your career? Absolutely. I think the idea of communicating well, you know, so that the intended message is received by those you uh, hope to influence or inspire or educate on any particular matter is quite helpful. And it's true around writing. It's true around your, your, you know, presenting or interpersonal skills. There's a whole well-roundedness that comes from that. And I was, it's interesting. We had this discussion today with my kids, you know, they're getting ready for college and the idea of what to study. And you're like, it's not that I'm going to try and influence them into this space, but it's an example of a degree, a profession that gives you skills that you use for the rest of your life. So that, that part, I absolutely agree with. Yeah. I I always try and push journalism, but most, most people don't listen. Um, <laughs> they they just think, oh, there are no jobs, but yeah, it has many benefits. Uh, Michael, what was your major? Uh, engineering. For engineering, it's problem solving. You, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're attracted to problems and, uh, you know, if they haven't been solved before, they're even more exciting. So uh, I feel like, you know, that, that, that attraction I had to engineering uh, even though I'm not, I'm really glad I'm not doing the math related to it now, uh, you know, but the the idea that you can look at a tough problem that seems insolvable and find a way through it, usually with the help of others, uh, is something I still find uh, helps me every day. Tim, uh, happy anniversary. Abby is celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Um, I looked up the traditional anniversary gift for 10 years, and the material is tin tin or aluminum, um, because that represents durability, uh, flexibility, which you need to sustain a healthy relationship. And the workplace is no different. As we all know, it takes work to make it work uh, and make it work well. Um, And cultures certainly need to be flexible and adaptable to meet employee needs. So I'd love to hear the, the one or two lessons you've learned over the last decade when it comes to developing culture or in your role as a leader. You know, from a culture perspective, it's been one of our, um, you know, for me, one of my proudest moments in my career has been the creation of the culture in our company. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reflection on that is it's not easy. 
You know, there were consultants back in the beginning. You can just you know, smile as you think about this. Consultants at the beginning who wanted to work with us, but told us actually to expect to not accomplish very much. And so, you know, for reasons you might expect, we said, well, we're not going to work with them. You know, we want to have aspirations. We want to do the hard work. And it is hard work. It takes, though, a strategy. It takes hard work, commitment. And it also has to take it as a priority. And the benefit that we had was that our chairman and CEO, Rick Gonzalez, uh, who's still our chairman and CEO today, which is a great uh, uh, benefit to us, uh, prioritized culture. And not all new CEOs do that. Not all new companies do that in the same way. But to have culture, one of your top four business strategies is really powerful. And so we anchored on that. We reinforced that. Um, and so I, the, the funny story for me, candidly, is that he asked me to lead it. And I told him I absolutely should not lead the culture initiative uh, at AbbVie. And so we had this discussion about, you know, is it really a business priority? If this gets kind of, you know, uh, visualized as uh, something the HR team only is working on, I don't want to lead that. I don't think we'll be successful. So part of that narrative is how much we've learned and grown together to get everyone activated, all employees, all leaders around the world, around culture at AbbVie. So, Michael, this leads me to my next question. If we know that culture drives performance, as Tim just said, you know, if employees are having good experience, they're going to work hard for you, they're going to stay with you, they're going to recommend you, um, they're going to be more productive, and then you're going to be more innovative, you're going to land on 100 best lists, um, you're going to outperform the competition. Why don't most business leaders not see it as a business imperative? Why is the AbbVie story more the exception than the rule? You know, this, when I die, I will have that question. Uh, you, you know, so, so I, I will absolutely, that'll be my last thought, I think, will be, why, how come, okay, you know, because it's like, see, listening to Tim and also with a leader like Richard um, and also consulting firms probably saying, look, you got to focus on on the shareholder. You know, you got to focus on, you know, don't worry about that culture thing. This is what you focus on. So um, a lot of the world believes that. Um, and it's natural for us. But it, it's, you know, in, in my experience, it's natural for about 20% of leaders. They get it. You create a great experience for your people. They're going to take care of your company and your customers. They're going to give the company everything they have. I get it. Tim gets it, Richard gets it, other, you know, other great companies that we know get it. Then there's about 60% that I concentrate on that are wondering about it. And that's why companies like AppVie are very important because we can point to them and it inspires them. You know, they can see, okay, here's this company, uh, you know, a uh, little more than a decade old, doing $60 billion of revenue, you know, in 2022, thriving and growing, uh, proving you can merge and still keep a great company and a, and a great culture, things that the books say you cannot do. So we are able to point that, look, it's actually possible. And I think that's really important for us, for young leaders who are trying to decide if they can break that old business school mold of it's profit or it's people. You cannot have both. And there's structures that people are taught that that, that, that is true. And when times get tough, like right now, we see some tech companies kind of moving on the profit side all of a sudden, you, you know, and, and so I, I feel like they're losing their way and just hope that they'll be inspired 
you know, to, to, to come back. But uh, Rula, the, you know, I love the people who get it, of course. Uh, I, I really am excited about the curious and I hope some, cur some curious people are listening today. The group that just doesn't get it, um, you know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I really, I don't, I don't know why they can't, um, you know, kind of break out of a mindset, you know, and realize that we're talking about a growth mindset and that people want the same thing every executive wants, you know, to have a great experience. Um, one that they're proud of and that they feel like they're personally doing work that matters, whether they're in the pharmaceutical company or biomedical company, you know, or a technology company or a manufacturing production. You know, all these things are, are parts of Abdi. They still want want the same feeling. And so if you're in the shower excited about what you're about to do, which every executive is. How come you think your people don't want the exact same thing? Mm -hmm. They want to. You think yeah. about what you what what you like. You know they they like these things too. But but um, I I still find it's a riddle that's unsolved. You know for some readers, Tim. I think you were going to lean in. I also like what you said, Michael, around people thinking it's an either or, and I think it's a and. It's an and, and I think the idea that you have to make it clear that this is a priority for the company for the business. It'll help drive Rula to your early point around driving performance. And I think that people, when they see it as something that's soft or led by HR, which was my concern, which was over overcome, they, they see it as that. Or it's the words on the wall, but it's not reinforced. And so the other gap I see besides the aspiration is the discipline and the rigor that you have to commit to. Again, it's not the easiest path, but I think it's clear. Your employees will see. Do you clearly reinforce what it is you tell us is important around culture? Do I see it? You'll see it in every HR program we run, how we develop our talent, how we assess our talent, how we reward our talent from actually when we're recruiting you as a talent. All of it is aligned to our culture, all of it, every single thing. And when people see that alignment, they see a couple of things. It's reinforced. So what you say matters. And what gets rewarded is me demonstrating at the best of my ability to the standard or above our culture. People start to see this really does matter. This really is how this company, in our case, AbV, runs. And so it's really motivating for people, I think, to see how embedded it is and how aligned it is and how rewarded it is. And I think, Michael and Rula, some of those companies, just they, they're misaligned or it's not reinforced. I think that's a big gap. But don't, I mean, like people at your level, both of you, do you respond to the, this is the, this is what I just can't. Help me fill in the gap. You respond to numbers, right? So the num it's clear that this leads to better business. So yes. take the 100 best this year. Yep. So revenue per employee has grown 7% year over year. And, and the average productivity level is at a record low, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Those are the numbers. So if you're a numbers person and you're just focused on the bottom line, let's say you don't even really care if employees are having a good experience, but you care about the bottom line, wouldn't you say, okay, I want those numbers. So tell me what we should do. If I look at it, you know, kind of in an empathetic way about that leader that I bump into that can hear everything we're talking about right now and still wants to continue to lead the way they're leading. You know, it's, it's just like if, if, um, uh, I went to the doctor for just a checkup appointment early today, 
and I have to do this treadmill thing and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I get off huffing and puffing and she's like, you need to exercise more. You know, so she says like five things I don't want to hear. Okay, now all of them are true and I know accurate. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to what I'm comfortable doing, you know, exercising at the level that I, the pitiful level that I am, or am I going to make these changes, which takes courage and and I'm going to be uncomfortable now because I have to make these adjustments. Well, it's much easier to just keep doing what I'm doing. So, so there, there's point one, this, this willingness to do something uncomfortable um, and uh, takes courage and change. You know, leaders are big on changing other people and companies, but not big on changing themselves, some. And so um, so I think there's that part. I think that also, yeah, it's going to be harder for me to adjust my eating. It's going to be harder for me to get the, that routine up. All that's hard. Culture work, Tim, you make it sound easy. It is hard. OK, if you want to choose the easiest path, this isn't it. Right. Because right. every day there's an equal and opposite reaction to some great thing you did for your people. You, you know, it's just, so you're never, we were talking about this, you know, before we got on the podcast, Rula, Tim and I, just about, you know, you're never sleeping well, but this is the life you choose because you know the power of what can happen if you can ele elevate and care for a lot of people, you, you know, who are going to care for a lot of people, you know, in a very specific way. When you think of, of, of AbbVie, it's not for everyone. So, you know, we, we're just trying to create more minds, especially with younger leaders, to um, work on this kind of this part of their wellness, um, you know, which is this way that, that we lead each other. And then now once you OK, now I want to try and do it. A lot of people want to try and do it. But the work is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at V, every benefit is is measured to see, is it doing what we thought yeah. and is it doing it for everyone? And if not, we're making changes and so on. So everything you're doing, you, you're you're you got to have a lot of great leaders who are all out of the box, being uncomfortable, learning, testing, not knowing the humility that comes before curiosity. Um, you, you know, so you have to do that. And then now you get, of course, you know, some of the best people in the world wanting to work in your company, which is what's needed to tackle more productivity, more perf more performance, higher rate of innovation, and decreasing our carbon footprint. You know, uh, it, it's it's more complicated now, and uh, and therefore you got to have the best people, which means you have the the best leaders. Sometimes people will ask me often, "What if you don't have the support at the top?" I've never seen it succeed. No, this is not a bottom up thing. You completely you have it. You yeah. you got to have it from the top. And I think that's where, and it's got to be now a, a, a CEO could be that one person, but even uh, the CEO who understands this would tell you they only do it by activating their team and all these different layers. One thing that we tried to do, Michael, and I, I don't, you know, suggest that we have, you know, broken the code on this, but one thing we accomplished, which was great to see was really to get every employee at some level, every manager at some level to believe. And we talked about culture at AbbVie that it was partly their responsibility you, you, you mentioned, and it's true, we, we measure incessantly in this idea of feedback to the manager level so they can understand how their team is doing versus the standard. And they understand it against the standard within AbbV and also the standard within AbbV over time, but also very importantly against these best company benchmarks. So we know levels of trust, engagement, uh, inclusion, whatever it might be across our dimensions, 
We know where we have opportunities and where we have it, we address them. The people know where they stand, where their team is, and everyone's activated, which is part of the benefit to that long-term play, that disciplined approach. You get to that point where it is just how we do business here at AbbVie. So let's move into talking a little bit about leadership, which we just touched on. Um, So leadership and management are the two top in-demand skills of 2023, according to LinkedIn. And we know people leaders are responsible for so much of the employee experience. Uh, Managers impact our mental health more than a therapist or a doctor and as much as our spouse or partner. Um, That's a study from our parent company, UKG, and they found that 60% of people they surveyed across 10 countries said their job is the biggest factor in their mental health. So that's for better or worse. Um, Tim, you put a lot of emphasis on leadership there. Uh, You hold them accountable through employee surveys. So they're getting that direct feedback. Um, Why is that so important to hold our leaders accountable? We've used these surveys to get down to any manager with five or more employees is getting direct feedback on those things that I mentioned across a number of dimensions and questions, internal, external, how is this team doing? And we do hold leaders accountable to it. and so uh, the, the best managers are celebrated and the managers who are below a certain level on engagement or are below a certain level on inclusion get extra help with the HR team, whether it's 360s, focus groups. We actually require them to resurvey. Part of what we're trying to do is you think about how you're doing at the enterprise level. But if I can, if I can elevate those that are significantly below the standard for whatever reason, there's been something acute going on there. If I can elevate them even to the AbV standard, fairly quickly. I've, I've, I've protected that experience for those employees. That's positive for our culture, but I've also helped reinforce the importance of accountability. I mentioned earlier, Rula, we have a talent philosophy. It has five pieces. I won't bore you with the details because um, they're unique to us and how we wanted to define it for our company. But really what that's done is created clarity. And don't maybe a lesson for the people who might be listening is don't miss the importance of clarity. So we talk about culture. What does culture mean for your company? Do you have clarity on what culture means? And for us, we call ours the ways we work. We have great clarity. We measure every employee every year, at least once, against those ways we work. So you've got feedback against each of those. But we also have a very clearly articulated talent philosophy. So for managers, they know what's important for our company. They also, equally importantly, know what we expect from them in this context. And so again, clarity followed up with some discipline and rigor and then some metrics and reinforcement, that's when I think you get to that point. Michael, you're on the road basically all of the time um, and talking with business leaders and you get asked for advice on how to become a better leader. What can I work on? How can I inspire my people? What what do you tell them? What's the most important behavior uh, or, yeah, what's the most important behavior that you share with them? And, and what do you work on yourself? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I do get asked that all the time. And and I usually give the answer and then they they they're actually hoping for a different answer. Uh, you know what I give it, but but the 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 answer is listening. It's listening. Uh, so if, if you're not able to number one, to listen, you have to be humble because you have to be that, you know, you're about to have an experience in a conversation or looking at data, you know, surveying is listening, where you your mind is empty. So you, you got to dump all those fears and preconceived notions and things like that and be willing to have your point of view changed. That, 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 and it's hard to do. 
in in a you know in a driving world with a, with a lot to do. So you're starting there, and then you're asking questions. You have that journalist mindset because you want to learn, and you think that whether that person's an executive VP, a director, uh, one of the leading scientists in the world, or the the person working at reception, or behind the the wheel of the truck in delivery and distribution, you talk to them the same way. And you think you can learn from them just as much as you can from that senior VP. That's the for all notion, you know, and, and you know, that's the humility moving into curiosity. And then you're going to have an experience. The person you're talking to is going to be like, wow, that person's a really good listener. What they mean is people usually don't listen to me because we normally don't listen to each other. So, so this is the behavior. If you're doing that well, then you know how to recognize and reward people in a way that matters. You know how to give people developmental feedback in a candid yet compassionate way. Uh, you you know how to thank them appropriately for, for a job well done. Uh, you know how to let them know that the company can't achieve its purpose if they don't do something you know in, in a greater way in terms of their role. But listening gives you the currency needed to learn and develop yourself. You know, leaders want people to change. People change when their leaders are changing. So, so th this is why it's, it's the most important thing. And, and, and that, and this is what I practice. This is my practice. You know, I've got a thing right above my display right now with a wheel of our nine high trust behaviors, listening, sitting in the middle, uh, just always. And right next to it, I have a card that says talk less, even though I'm not doing it right now. You, you know, so, so, but, 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 but this is it. This is the daily practice. Meditation is listening. And I start my day there. So uh, because I've learned the benefits and the connections and the innovation that comes from able, being able to do that. And just to something Tim mentioned, which FV is on the cutting edge in terms of what we think is next in terms of the future of work, which is that cascading Tim talked about. You know, when you think about great companies and we know a lot about great companies, we know more about not great companies, but I won't get into that today. But but in terms of what we know from world leading companies, you know, like an FB and the others that, that make our list and they separate themselves is, number one, listening to Tim. It's like he hasn't accomplished anything. There's a humility and a mindset and the rearview mirror is pretty much broken. Tim referenced it. I don't think he looks at it because they are going forward. They are going forward. I read a great article today um, in GQ magazine on Tim Cook. He says we go forward. We're looking forward. You know, you know, you know, we're not looking back. That happens at some some other point in life. But this cascading notion, you know, where an executive feels responsible for the frontline supervisors, the experience they create. Th that, that's the power of this cascading. It's pretty easy at the top to get high leadership scores. It's pretty easy. I, I, I won't get into it. Just it's pretty easy. People know how to function at that level. Plus, they get bubbly water, flat water. Life is pretty good there. But what's happening seven levels down? And does the CEO feel accountable for that, that they can't feel like they're a great leader unless front, that frontline supervisor is creating a great experience? That's what Tim's alluding to in making this expectation clear. Now, it sounds basic. It rarely happens. And I'm including great companies. This responsibility for the whole chain of leadership and a leader at the top judging themselves by that 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 frontline and mid-level experience this is the breakthrough we feel you know and and the difference over the next 5 years this is the future of work this is how you activate for all
is by executives taking responsibility for that whole chain, not overweighting what their executive team says about them, um, mm-hmm. but but taking advantage for the whole the whole chain. Exactly what Tim is talking about. You got to give them feedback. You got to give them data. And he also said, look, if they don't score well, we help them. You know, we help them. We we fertilize the plant before we prune. That's what he said. Now we will prune, okay? But you fertilize first, and 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 we believe. Uh, you know, that that's that is the future of work. Michael, you just mentioned meditation. Uh, you also mentioned at the top of the call, you both were talking about um, how hard this work is. It's not an easy path uh, where you both sit. So, um, Tim, we'll start with you. And that question is, um, how do you make uh, how do you maintain work life balance, a balance for your, for yourself. Deloitte had a study earlier this year that said like, you know, senior leaders and HR pros, uh, they have higher levels of uh, depression compared with their own employees. Um, and, and just as high burnout levels, uh, which makes sense because you have so much resting on your shoulders. Um, so the question is, you know, how do you put on your own, uh, oxygen mask? I've always tried to make family first, and it's and it, and I say that as someone who's always fully committed to his job. Uh, that's you know I think that's maybe not a surprise at some level, but I'll, the best way I can think of it is I, I think of it as in in two contexts. One is me personally, which I don't put first, but I, I'll say my family first. And I always say to our my directs and my our team, you know, because sometimes they'll ask, "Oh, do you think I could look family first? And you want to you want to tell that, and you want to reinforce it, so. My examples would be I, I haven't missed a kid's uh, sporting event or a musical program or whatever it might be. Uh, I don't know if ever. I mean, I've always prioritized that. I've never regretted it. Uh, and so I think you have to demonstrate for your family, but also for your team by where you spend your time, what's important to you. And I've always believed that maybe it's the HR profession. Maybe it's because of what we do. You know, you observe things. I observe people and, and organizations. And I used to observe at retirement parties. And you'd have, I always thought there's two types uh, of retirement parties. There's the, the, the retirement where there's a family there or there's a community there, in a sense, around that leader. And I thought the positivity and the, and, the, and the reflection and the warmth of that was really powerful. And I was like, that's the kind of retirement I'd like to have someday. And then there's the others that are kind of cold and simple. There's no family. And it's quite simply that that's a person who committed only to their work. And so I was kind of looking at that saying, I know what I prefer. So family first is something I believed in. And the second part that that I mentioned uh, first was you have to be personally well. Uh, Michael, just to make you feel better, I was huffing and puffing on my physical on Monday of this week. Uh, but it's important you do that, right? I think your own personal health and wellness, if I'm not at my best, how can I do my role well? And I, I, I'll go back and reinforce something that I said earlier, which is I, I feel an enormous responsibility for the culture that we have in this company. I feel an enormous responsibility for the performance of this company, but I can't do that. And I can't do that well, if I'm not well, whether that's physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. So I think it has to be a priority. I still occasionally see people who look like they might be struggling, who do what I do at other companies. And I just, my advice to everyone listening on this podcast is make your health and wellness a priority. You cannot serve others. You cannot be a good member of a family or your best self as it relates to being a member of a family or a community at work if you're not well. 
So I think I, I think you think you're giving all, and that's to the betterment of others. I actually don't think it is. It's got to be your health is equal. Yeah, which is just like life. You know, yeah. you don't take care of yourself. You can't take care of people around you. You think you you're doing the right thing by putting other people before you, but you know, I yeah, I learned that the hard way myself. You're you're not, and they're not asking you to do that. Um, right. They're asking you. They want you to be your best self. Um, so, Michael, how would you answer the same question? How do you put on your own oxygen mask? And also, how do you find the time? Because I think, Tim, to what you said, that sounds great. But a leader in your position might say, I don't have time to go to the doctor. Um, I don't have time to go to my the kids' games. Um, they know I love them. You know, I, I just, I, I, it's hard to find the time because I have all these responsibilities. So um, what would you say to that, Michael? Uh, first of all, I love listening to Tim, you, you know, that, that, uh, the whole experience of just listening, you know, that, that, um, how he hasn't missed a, a sports game, you, you know, that, 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 that idea of his kids. And I know what that's all about, except I missed a few too many, Tim, we're not going to go into confession today, but, but, uh, mine are 34 and 32. And so, uh, as I look back, I don't, I don't think I handled that very well. Uh, so just be one of those things. And um, but try and use that to try and do some things different, uh, you know, today. And so uh, hopefully I'll do better with my grandson. And but, you know, but and and I think the and how do I know that I, I carry this weight uh, of, you know, perhaps where I've, you know, over rotated. Um, it's through my meditation where I kind of reflect on am I really the person that 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 I want to be? And, and so that's those things come in. They don't feel good, though you know, because they don't feel good because it means I have to change. And so I just got through really our conversation today, the idea that, okay, well, maybe if I work on changing more, somehow I'll find a way to help that rock hard in the box CEO who doesn't want to put people first, you know, may, maybe through my change, I can, you know, so I, I kind of feel kind of, you know, some, some hopeful energy uh, today uh, from, from, you know, let me do it. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll be able to find something I do know when my medic uh, meditation game is on, I do a little better on the exercise game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm a road warrior, you know, so you got to pack the shoes and the this and go in and work out at 2 a.m. due to time zones. But boy, do you get rewarded uh, for doing that. But I feel inspired today that um, if I can get out of the box and do those things, somehow I'll find a better way to help that leader who thinks it's all about shareholder returns and doesn't understand the way to maximize those returns is to take care of their people and not some of their people, but all of their people. Michael, how many minutes, how long do you meditate and do you do guided meditations or do you sit in silence? Yeah. So it's, it's for me, it's 10 minutes. Uh, so I'm still crazy and out of control, you know, but, but, but mm-hmm. 10 minutes works and uh, it's either through one of the apps you know, that, that, that I have uh, on my phone, which is the guided some days though, I can just get up and sit and, um, you know, and, and let things go. Um, so, and then I do it before the shower. Cause when I be in that shower, man, my mind takes off. I'm into it now. And, and it's also a period of great, uh, um, creativity for me. Mm-hmm. It's in the shower that I'll see this thing, you, you know? And so I, I got to do that, um, beforehand. I think that's where therapists somehow need their couches. Like showers are where people have these <laughs> revelations and epiphanies and, and somehow undergo some kind of transformation in there. Um, well, Tim and Michael, thanks so much for the conversation. 
I really enjoyed it. Hey, Rula, I just want to say, you know, just ahead of Tim uh, and, and for the listener, it's um, uh, Tim's a very humble person. You know, Abby moves through through the world, you know, in a, in a very humble way. But you can just look at our world's best list and and read what we say, you know, uh, uh, about them. Uh, it's h- tough to find, um, you know, a better company in the world. It's really hard to do. We rank. OK, but this is a top tier experience that that Abby is providing through a ton of hard work, you know, and including through times that are you do you really want to take on this hard work? You know, that it, it is it is what they do. And so it's not talk. It's real. And they aren't satisfied. So, um, you know, I would definitely uh, check out what we say, you know, about Abby, what Abby says about itself and what the people say um, for, for those who are listening, who don't understand. The only way you make our list is your people put people on, <laughs> you put put you on the list. Uh, so um, it, it's a lot of rigor and a, a lot of competition, but um, hats off. And I know you're not satisfied, Tim, you, you know, but hats off on what you've accomplished and uh, and what you're about to accomplish. Thank you, Michael. It's always great. First of all, fantastic to join you here today. Thank you for letting me join you. Uh, Rula, thank you for guiding us through a nice discussion today and helping us reflect upon our own journeys, whether it's individually or as companies. But I do think it's it's important, Mike, uh, Michael, to think about, again, what does a great company uh, look like? You help set the bar. You help set the standard. And um, having a partner like us, that helps us be better. Yeah, so it helps us see ourselves. You know, you can always be guilty somewhat of your own myopathy of what you see internally. I love having great partners like you who help us see and set the bar. And uh, just know we're committed to that. I always think my, my hope and dream as well is that someone will look back someday, 100 years from now at AbbVie and say, those people at the beginning had a vision, had, had an idea in mind about what they were trying to create, and that they had this belief that the work mattered around culture, it mattered around reputation, it mattered truly to be a great place to work. And so thank you for helping us create that. Uh, and sustain that going forward. Uh, I really appreciate it. Very welcome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating, write a review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can stream this and previous episodes wherever podcasts are available.